Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! (sighs) My goodness. We we really just did that tonight. We, We really just... We, we really just played like that tonight. What is going on, guys? It's your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your New Jersey Devils. Straight up, I hope you guys are doing better than I'm doing right now. Um, I'm recording this episode literally minutes after the Devils game against the Arizona Coyotes. Um I'm going to not start with the game because there's a couple other things I want to quickly get to. Um, But I will spend probably the majority of this episode talking about um, tonight's game. But we have a bunch to get to as we normally do on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's really not waste any more time and get rolling. So we'll start with probably some pretty big news that we got on Tuesday afternoon. Um, it was first reported by several you know, people. I think Elliot Friedman was the first one to kind of put it out there, but then the NHL uh, made an announcement through their public relations uh, Twitter account. They said, the NHL and NHL Players Association has reached an agreement to stop testing asymptomatic players and staff members for COVID-19 following the All-Star break. This will be in effect starting on February 6th, which will be the day after the All-Star game. Uh, they will they will still test all players and staffers before cross-border travel between the U.S. and Canada due to Canadian restrictions. Players who begin to show any type of COVID symptoms will also be required to test. No plans to require booster vaccine and will go back to regular testing if cases spike up. So I think it's really good that uh, the NHL and NHLPA uh, came to this agreement and decided to do this because 
we've seen from not just the Devils, but we've seen from a lot of teams in the NHL deal with these frustrating situations where players are testing positive for COVID-19 only to later on just be asymptomatic and have to sit around and wait and teams end up being depleted. Um, and it's, it's a very difficult situation. The NHL also came out and announced that 73% of the NHL has tested positive for COVID-19. I don't know if that's the highest uh, percentage of any sports league in North America, but it is pretty high and it's, it's a little bit concerning. The good thing is, one of the good things is that the Omicron variant is starting to uh, not necessarily die off, but it's but we're starting to get a lot less cases as of late. So things are starting to improve again, which is good. Um, but I think it's really important that the NHL and NHLPA agreed to do this because it's very frustrating when a player is asymptomatic and, and it's not really causing any problems and they just have to sit around and wait for four or five days. And luckily now, if somebody tests positive and asymptomatic, it's only a five-day period. But I don't think that will be much of an effect. Um, that will be much of a factor. Uh, moving forward once the all-star break is done. So the NHL and NHL players will only have to deal with this for another couple of weeks. But again, I will reiterate that the NHL made it clear that if cases started to spike up again, that they were going to have to go back to, you know, regular testing. Um, so this is something that uh, obviously players are going to do their best to follow the guidelines and not have this situation happen. I know that obviously with teams like the Devils who are going to eventually start traveling more often to Canada are going to have to deal with these things, but this is just part of, you know, what you have to deal with in order to play this season. But this was something that I think a lot of people were kind of, you know, really hoping for at some point. I know that a lot of people I've seen on social media, a lot of fans very frustrated with guys testing positive for COVID-19, being asymptomatic, being basically fine, you know, physically and not dealing with any sort of, um, you know, symptoms, but having to sit around for four or five days without playing and have and being out of the lineup. And you've seen even from the Devils how much that affects the team and how much it can be frustrating, um, you know, to be as depleted. Look at the Look at the team the Devils had on Thursday of last week. I mean, last week we had a, an emergency backup goaltender have to be our backup goalie because one of, you know, two of our three goalies had to be put on the COVID protocol list. And we had several other guys, including our top point getter and one of our top goal scorers be on the COVID list. It was, it, it's very, very frustrating that this was going on. So it's good that the NHL is starting to change the, the guidelines a little bit and hopefully nothing major, you know, becomes a problem. Hopefully cases don't come spiking up again all of a sudden. But I do want to just quickly say here, and I know that this can be very controversial because everybody has their own opinion. And I know people that, you know, are for the vaccine are not for the vaccine. And everybody at the end of the day is truly entitled to their opinion. Um, but the two things that I want to quickly reiterate is this. Number one, when you're getting the vaccine, it's not really about you. It's about protecting everyone else. And a lot of people have gotten the vaccine that are protecting you from getting COVID-19. And the other thing that has been very frustrating for me to watch and to hear is people saying, oh, the vaccine doesn't work because people are still getting COVID. Well, I think 
I think everybody made it pretty damn clear that the point of getting vaccinated was not about preventing yourself from getting COVID, but to put you in a position where your chances of getting it are much lower. And if you do still happen to uh, contract the virus, contract COVID-19, that you will just have, you won't have the symptoms, that you won't be in the hospital. That's really the big thing. If you're completely unvaccinated 100% and you're not following the guidelines and all that stuff, you are obviously making yourself a bigger risk of not only contracting the virus, but also getting major symptoms. Do we wish that we had the vaccine where it, it would completely prevent you from getting COVID altogether? Of course, but stuff like that doesn't just happen right away. The reality is, is that the vaccines that we have right now are for, you know, for your benefit, for everyone's benefit, and to give us an opportunity to slowly but surely get back to doing the things that we want to do and feel comfortable and feel safe outside. And also, quite frankly, to make sure that you're not in the hospital. Because I know a bunch of people that got vaccinated, still contract COVID, but didn't really have any symptoms. And after a week or so, whatever the case may be, they were completely, you know, they were completely fine and everything was okay. That's kind of the thing now with it. And now, luckily, with uh, the government, I think they said, what, today that, um, you know, everybody's going to get three free COVID tests. And obviously, COVID tests are being distributed for free now. I, I think it's good. And, and maybe more people will feel more comfortable, you know, getting vaccinated. But I'm not going to try to come on here and make this about pushing that type of thing. But it, it's good. The bottom line is this. It's good that the NHL is not going to be testing asymptomatic players because it, it just kind of, it, it creates a lot of chaos since it's been clearly proven. Um, uh, but the NHL, again, like I said, has made it clear that if cases do spike up again, that they're going to go against this decision and they're going to go back to regular testing that's really the expectation that you should have but right now with the way things are i think it's safe and i think it's a pretty solid idea to move forward to this so again to kind of reiterate the nhl and nhlpa reached an agreement on tuesday that they will stop testing asymptomatic players and staff members for COVID 19 following the all-star break which will begin on well not the all-star break but this uh, ruling will take an effect starting February 6th. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which, which was actually much more of a very cool um, thing to talk about, because I, I think it's it's something definitely worth noting. Also on Tuesday night, a lot happened in the NHL on Tuesday. Uh, prior to the Bruins versus Carolina Hurricanes game, the Bruins retired Willie O'Ree's number 22 jersey. And this also, interestingly enough, was 64 years to the day when he became the first black NHL player to play in the NHL when he debuted for the Boston Bruins against the Montreal Canadiens at the Montreal Forum back in 1958. Most of the people in the hockey world at this point know who Willie O'Ree is, know what he's all about. But let me give you some more information. First of all, with Willie O'Ree being inducted, in, well, having his number retired, he joined Lionel Hitchman, who had his number number three retired in 1934, Dick Clapper, number five, 1947, Eddie Shore, number two, 1949, Milt Schmidt, number 15 in 1957, Bobby Orr, number four, 1979, Johnny Buchek, 
number nine, 1980, Phil Esposito, number seven, 1987, Ray Bork, number 77, 2001, Terry O'Reilly, number 24 in 2002, Cam Neely, number 28 in 2004, and Rick Middleton, number 16 in 2018, as the Bruins players that have their number retired. So he joins a very, very select group of Boston Bruin greats. Now, Here's some more information. Willie O'Ree played in 45 games over two seasons with the Boston Bruins between 1957 and 1958 and 1960 and 1961. The forward wore number 18 for two games, number 25 for nine, number 22 for 34. So that's really where the Bruins came to the decision to retire the number 22 number since that's the number he most frequently wore. O'Ree scored 14 points, four goals, 10 assists during his NHL career, despite being legally blind in his right eye, the result of an injury sustained playing junior hockey. And I did hear a story, I believe it was from a family friend of mine that told me that Willie O'Ree, you know, he, he kept it very much under wraps, even from his own family, that he was legally blind because he did not want to be denied of having the opportunity to play in the NHL. So not only do you become basically the Jackie Robinson of hockey, but you also do it being legally blind. I mean, it's it's definitely, well, being legally half blind. It, both of those are just tremendous accomplishments in themselves. I mean, that really is phenomenal. The injury didn't stop him from having a prolific, lengthy minor league hockey career, mostly in the old Western Hockey League with Los Angeles and San Diego. Ari scored an impressive 639 points 328 goals and 311 assists in 785 WHL games from 1961 to 1960, 1974. He led the WHL with goals uh, with 38 goals in 1964 and 65. One of his five 30 goal seasons in the league, he had 1964-65, 65-66, 66-67, 68-69, and 1973-74. But Ari's most significant contributions to hockey came off the ice. He became the NHL's diversity ambassador in 1998 and has helped establish 39 grassroots hockey programs in North America as part of the Hockey is for Everyone initiative, inspiring more than 130,000 boys and girls to play the sport. Ari was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in November of 2018 in the Builders category. A life-size bronze statue of him resides in the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. as part of a Black Hockey exhibit. So this was probably the last major thing of uh, Willie O'Ree's hockey career that he had not had yet. Because if you think about it, he became, you know, became the first player first black player to play in the National Hockey League. I mean, he ends up being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame for his contributions to the game of hockey, getting thousands upon thousands of boys and girls of every skin color, every nationality to play the game of hockey, doing so much for the sport. And the Boston Bruins give him probably one of the greatest honors you can get to have your number retired. So from this point forward, Nobody else will wear the number 22. So numbers are starting to get scarce uh, up in Boston, but still it's a tremendous accomplishment for not only a tremendous hockey player and granted he didn't, he didn't blow you away in the NHL, 
But what's more important is that Willie O'Ree is just an incredible individual. 86 years of age. He wasn't in Boston to attend the ceremony. He had to watch it, I think, via, you know, Zoom or whatever the case may be. But still, I think it was an absolutely tremendous job by the Bruins to to finally decide to do that for a man that definitely uh, has earned it. So Willie O'Ree's number 22 has officially been retired and will now hang in the rafters of Boston's TD Garden for the rest of time. So now we're going to shift more primarily to the Devils. So I apologize. Well, I'm not going to apologize for my tone being different. Uh, The first thing that I want to quickly get out of the way is that the NHL on Wednesday afternoon announced the makeup dates for all of the postponed games. Uh, That was something that was just going to be in the works. And now with the two weeks uh, that were originally going to be for the Olympics are now going to be uh, filled with games, uh, makeup games. So for the Devils, here are the eight games. Here are the new dates for the eight games that have been postponed um, at this point in the season and when, you know, and who the Devils will play. So you have January 31st at the Toronto Maple Leafs, February 7th at the Ottawa Senators, February 8th at Montreal. Then you have February 10th at home against St. Louis, February 13th at home against Pittsburgh, February 15th at home against Tampa Bay. Then you're in Pittsburgh on February 24th. And then the last one is now April 7th versus Montreal. So that month of February is going to be a lot busier than what originally was going to be. And you look at it, I saw a statistic during the Devils game. The Devils are are going to be averaging about two and a half days per game. So they're going to be playing a game every two and a half days. So it's kind of a crazy thing. So once we get towards the end of January and into February, that's where we're going to see a lot more games, potentially a couple of back-to-backs. You have it right here. February 7th at Ottawa, and then February 8th at Montreal. So it's going to be interesting there. I do believe that the sec- the first Toronto game might have been moved to, uh, uh, I believe, January 30th. I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head, but I do know that there's probably another back-to-back. There's probably going to be a few. So obviously things are going to get a lot more stressful and a lot more squished, so to speak, once we get into that month and and we'll obviously see where everything is once we get there. And uh, it should be really, really interesting. And also I will remind everybody because I mentioned it before the whole situation with uh, the devils, not having, not having to have asymptomatic players test uh, being tested. That won't actually be technically in effect for them until they come back home from Montreal after their February 8th game, because the first day that it's implemented will be February 6th, and then February 7th and 8th, the Devils are in Ottawa and then Montreal. So that's just something to keep in mind moving forward. But those are the new dates for the eight postponed games that the Devils have had so far this season. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. 
Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the action on this divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prices with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now we'll shift to the Devils game against the Coyotes. And right off the bat, ladies and gentlemen, it, it just feels like for me that Every time the Devils lose, I keep thinking that this is rock bottom. This is, you know, it can't get much worse than this. And then at time, and then it just seems like the Devils constantly find new ways to embarrass themselves, but more importantly, embarrass the fan base, particularly at home. So we'll start with this. The good news was before the game is that the Devils got basically everybody who was on the COVID protocol is back, except, you know, with the exceptions of Dougie Hamilton, Miles Wood, and Jonathan Bernier, because obviously all of them are out long-term or out for the year. But this was probably one of the first times in a long time that the team was more or less at full strength. And so the hope is, is that the team can stay this way for a decent amount of time. This was also the Devils' first game in almost a week. If you remember, the Devils played last Thursday in Long Island against the Islanders and then had several days off up until Wednesday. And again, that has to do with the postponed games due to COVID-19. The Coyotes were coming into this game looking for literally just their 10th win of the season. So think about it this way. At this point in the year, Nearly approaching the halfway point of the season, the Coyotes had not even reached the double-digit mark in wins. Um, the one kind of cool thing, well, not cool thing, but one kind of like nice little thing was that Scott Wedgwood, for the second time in his career, was returning to the Prudential Center as a member of the Arizona Coyotes. I was really hoping that Wedgwood would play just for the fun of it and everything like that, but it turned out to be Vimelka in net for the Coyotes. The other cool thing was that the Devils for the first time were having an Hispanic Heritage Night. And there were so many cool things with it. Number one, you saw like the new logos and everything that the Devils social media team was sharing. I also saw that the official NHL Spanish Twitter account actually changed its name to, um, I think, it was, uh, what was it called? Uh, Los Diablos de New Jersey, which I think was really cool. And they were only sharing Devils content throughout the whole night. I think that was a really cool thing, being the official Spanish Twitter account for the NHL. Very, very cool. The Devils were also sporting uh, Hispanic Heritage Night warm-up jerseys, which are now, as far as I know, are uh, up for auction on the Devils' website. They were very, very cool. I would love to see, obviously, these uh, warm-up jerseys be things that uh, the teams actually can wear in games at times because it's very, very cool. I also did forget that this was one of the times where the Devils wore their jersey jerseys. 
um, the black jerseys, which I think kind of makes sense considering that everything for the most part, even with the Hispanic, Hispanic Heritage Night, was just kind of an all black theme. So it was very, very cool. But I will say this before the game. I was just happy that I had a game to watch because it's been very frustrating when you look at the last two weeks, the Devils had played a total of three games. And you were what you were, there were so many periods where you're just sitting around just waiting for a game to happen. I mean, after the second game against Columbus the week before, you're waiting. No game on Sunday, no game on Monday, no Tuesday, no Wednesday, and then finally you're on Thursday. Then after last Thursday's game, no game Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then you finally have a game on Wednesday. And again, due to just everything that's going on with COVID-19, the hope is now with the NHL not having to uh, don't not having to test asymptomatic players that we don't get more postponements. But but we'll see. But I was just happy that there was a game, and I felt good. But I also felt like in the back of my head that this was one of those games that you call a trap game where you're expected to win. You have like maybe a 75 to push in 85% chance of winning this game. You obviously know that you're the much more talented team. You're at home. You haven't played in almost a week. You should come out with energy. You should come out and have success, but you got to be careful because the Coyotes technically have been playing better in the last 10 games. I mean, they, they won a couple. They surprisingly won on national TV the week before uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you knew that this was the that there was a possibility that the Coyotes could surprise us, but the Devils came out flying, and I mean flying. They looked like a team that had not played in a week. They were just energetic. They were just excited to be on on the ice playing the game. They were putting pucks in that, creating great chances. And a little bit over six minutes into the game, the Devils would score. And again, not only would they score, they would score on the power play. As Jack Hughes had a nice shot on using the power move, Vimelka makes the save. The puck gets right to Brad on the left side, fires it over to Nico Kishir, and he just rips it past Vimelka into the net. And the Devils grab the big one nothing lead. And the way you saw it, and I saw a statistic that was put out, I believe it was by the score. And they said the biggest thing for the Devils recently has been when they score first in their last five games that they've scored first, they were like 4-0-1. So clearly of late, when the Devils score first, they have been able to win. So that's why it was so important to get the first goal of the game. Nico Heischer, now four goals and an assist since the month of January. So he's starting off 2022 on a high note. Jesper Bratt, who unfortunately did get snubbed for the uh, last man in vote for the NHL All-Star game. It was originally Mika Zibanejad, but due to uh, personal reasons going on in Sweden, uh, Jake Gensel, the Pittsburgh Penguins, will replace him. But obviously, I, I felt like Jesper Bratt uh, made a pretty good case to get in. But you know, it is what it is. But Jesper Bratt, obviously, he's an all-star in our mind, in our minds and hearts. And uh, he's really just had a phenomenal year. The, the assist he got was his 23rd assist of the year. I mean, he has been really rocking and rolling. Jack Hughes as well, the all-star who's going to be going to Vegas this year, gets his 12th assist of the season. And most importantly, the Devils grabbed the one nothing lead. They continued to dominate that period. And I didn't realize it till about five minutes to go in the period that the Coyotes didn't even have a shot on goal yet. And eventually they did get a shot on goal. It's a pretty good one. Blackwood had to make a, a pretty decent save to prevent an opportunity for the Coyotes to tie the game. But after that, after the end of the first period, the shots were 12 to one in favor of the Devils. 
And it was a little bit frustrating, not incredibly, but it was a little bit frustrating that the Devils were dominating that game, out shooting them 12 to 1, and all they had was a single goal to show for it. But, you know, you don't worry about it. You just focus on, you keep dominating this way, you keep playing, goals will eventually come, and you're going to find a way to, uh, to win this game. And then we go to the second. And I'm not going to spend that much time recapping who scored, blah, this, that, everything. Everything that went right for the Devils in the first period went to shit in the second period. The Coyotes scored not one, not two, but three goals in the second period on seven fucking shots. Seven fucking shots. After two periods of play, it is now three to one Coyotes with the shots on goal in favor of the Devils, 27 to fucking eight. The Devils are losing this game three to one while out shooting the Coyotes 27 to fucking eight. And this is the perfect example of what I've said before numerous times on this podcast. And that is this. Shots on goal does not mean shit. It does not because you could throw 50 shots on goal, but they could all be easy point blank saves. It's way more about what you do when the opportunity presents itself to score. And you saw in the second period, the Coyotes took advantage of the opportunities when they were given on rebounds, firing the puck at net, even when it looked like it wasn't going to go in. And that's what happened. The Coyotes took advantage of their opportunities. The Devils did not. They hit the post twice in this game. They average about two to three shot post, uh, posts hit per game. They don't know how to take advantage of the opportunities when they are given. And this again proves you can have a hundred shots on goal and you could give up just three and lose the game three, nothing. I understand that sometimes you run into a goaltender who's just having a good game. But Vimelka, no disrespect to this man, has won a measly five fucking games all season long. And he's had way more games where he was shit than games where he looks like the second coming of Patrick Waugh. But just but because it's the devils and that we don't have guys that are confident in themselves and don't believe that they can finish, we make these goaltenders look like fucking rock stars. Do you remember when the Senators came to town a couple, you know, about a month or so ago or a month and a half ago, and we let Anton Forsberg look like a fucking rock solid top 10 goaltender? This happens way too fucking often. And we're out shooting them 27 to 8. That right there once again proves that shots on goal doesn't mean shit. Because the devils don't take advantage of their opportunities. You could sit there and tell me till I'm blue in the till you're blue in the face that all oh, the devils deserve better. Oh, that's just hockey. No, when this happens so often, you can't defend it. You cannot. And I remember putting out on Twitter, and again, follow us on Twitter at Devil State. I put it on Twitter. People, what's the excuse you want to give me tonight as to why we are losing three to one while out shooting the Coyotes 27 to eight? And I'm so glad that nobody came to the devil's defense there. I'm so glad that everybody was in agreement that that is ridiculous 
that we are out shooting them by so much, nearly by 20 shots. We're out shooting by 19 shots exactly, and we are down by two goals. Embarrassing. Unbelievably disgusting. And then you go to the third period, and the Coyotes added another goal just for, just for you know, just, just for why not? Whoever gives, you know, who gives a shit? And the Devils ended up losing this game four to one. Oh, by the way, the final shots on goal tally, 36 to 17 in favor of the fucking Devils. And they lost by three goals to a Coyotes team who just tonight got to double digit wins. I don't understand how this shit keeps happening and nothing gets resolved. Now, I want to once again reiterate, I get the fact that we are still, shockingly, not even halfway through this season. But at the same time, for you to have a game against the Coyotes who suck, and let's just call it like it is, they suck. For you to be at home and lose by three goals to this team is ridiculous. Now, you could say, Neil, the Maple Leafs lost to the Coyotes. Well, here's the difference. Number one, the, the Maple Leafs were on the road in Arizona, okay? Oh, but Neil, the, the, the Canadians got blown out by the Coyotes. Well, here's two reasons. One, the Coyotes weren't home. Two, Montreal also sucks. And that's obvious. What, what, what is the excuse with the Devils? They were at home. They haven't played in almost a week. Everybody's healthy for the most part. We score first. We're flying. Shots on goal. And do not give me the bullshit that Vimelka was the reason they won this game. Because there were plenty of shots that Vimelka saw that he had nobody in front of him that he made the save without a single fucking problem. There's no excuse. There is none. Zip. Nada. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's ridiculous. And it got so bad for me that I actually turned off the game. I haven't done that very often this year because I try really hard to watch these games whole so I can give you guys the best, you know, opinion I can give. But I turned it off with 11 minutes to go in this game. Because there was no fucking point. The Devils were going to lose regardless. They were not going to come back from down three goals in the third period. Oh, this team is stunned. What can they do? Bro, are you fucking kidding me? And there were very few people in the stands tonight and things like that. And it's so unbelievably fucking frustrating. Okay? And here's another thing. I want to point something out. I will admit more than probably most people, I'll admit this. I am very envious and very jealous of the New York Rangers. I am. Do you know what the Rangers did tonight? The Rangers were down 3-1 to one on national TV at home to Toronto, which you can write up and say, okay, Toronto might be the better team. I am currently recording this as with only two and a half minutes to go in the game, the Rangers are up 6-3. to three. Six to three. They have scored five unanswered goals since going down three to one. The Devils rarely do that shit. And that's against the good ass team. That's against the Maple Leafs team that has championship aspirations. 
What the fuck do we do? We go, we lose four to one to the fucking Arizona Coyotes? Are you kidding me? And it's amazing to me to see people on social media just be just so there are people that try to defend this and say shit like, oh, you know, look at all the adversity the devils have to deal with. I understand that because I've watched this team my whole fucking life. All right. And I've watched the last seven, eight years of all the adversity. But you know what? At some point, that shit can no longer be an excuse. These guys are hockey players. They are professional hockey players. They need to go out there with some fucking pride and actually do something. And I will reiterate the same thing that I said many months, a month ago. And it's not changing. Lindy Ruff has to fucking go. He has to go. If you want to wait till the end of the season when we don't make the playoffs again, and not only that, we probably are in a top five spot to get a fucking, you know, top prospect again, then fine. But he has to fucking go because this team, as I will point out once again, is too fucking talented to be sitting here playing like shit, out shooting a team by nearly 20 shots and losing four to one at home to a nine, now 10, fucking win Arizona Coyotes team. There is no excuse for that. None at all. And nobody should come on here and nobody should go in on social media and try to defend this in any way possible because this is bullshit. And that team deserved to be booed off the ice. People pay money, okay? And I understand the tickets were really cheap because it's the fucking Coyotes, but people pay money. And the other thing is this. We now have the new uh, rules, the new guidelines at the Prudential Center, where not only do you have to show your vaccine card, but also wear a mask. There are people that were bitching about that before that are really bitching about it now. I know people that have said to me that they're not going to another fucking game because of because of those rules. And you're entitled to that. I think it's you're being ridiculous about it, but that's your opinion. But with that and the shitty play that this team puts out there, you are losing fans left and right. And it feels like at times this team is not trying. Where the fuck was Jack Hughes tonight? Where the fuck was Sharon Govich tonight? Where the fuck was Pavel Zaka tonight? Where the fuck was anybody? Nico and Brett. We're literally the only two people that did fucking anything. I know that Jack Hughes got an assist, but he got a secondary assist on a shot, okay? And yes, he had that nice shot between his legs. So I guess in a, some, in, in a small way, you could put Jack Hughes as well. But that's it. That is it. Nobody else did anything. And look, I know that Mackenzie Blackwood is still dealing with a heel injury. And I know for a fact that he will once again, for the third fucking season in a row, will have to play three quarters of the games because for some fucking dumbass reason, we cannot for the life of us have a decent backup goaltender without them retiring or getting hurt. And I understand that some things are out of devil's control, but at some point, the excuses have to stop. They have to stop. And you have to start actually trying to take a corner because otherwise you're stuck in hockey uh, purgatory where you're constantly looking like you're going to do something and then everything goes to shit. 
I still go back to November when we were 7-3-2. and two. We just kicked the living shit out of the Florida Panthers, beat the New York Islanders, and we all thought that, that this was going to – we were finally turning a corner. But you know what it's just become? Another fucking devil season where everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And the same stupid shit keeps happening. And I saw someone today say, maybe John Hines wasn't the problem. No, you are completely wrong. John Hines was the problem. Lindy Ruff is just worse. And that is really fucking hard to do. But in many ways, Lindy Ruff is worse. Lindy Ruff, the game has passed him by. I am sorry. He is not doing what he needs to do to put the best product on the ice. He is not putting this team in the best position to succeed. And I get that he has to deal with different things that are somewhat out of his control. But still, what makes a great coach great, what makes a good coach good, is taking the players you have and, doing the, and putting them in the best position to succeed. And we have enough talent even now to still be able to be competitive. And I understand the last several games we've been competitive. But tonight was ridiculous. And guess what? You now go to Saturday at home against the Hurricanes who just beat the living shit out of the Bruins in Boston 7-2. to How the hell are we going to even come close to beating, to even being competing with the Hurricanes on Saturday if we're playing like this? You had three days in a row of practice and this is what you had to offer? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. There are teams that are higher up in the fucking standings that made changes earlier in this year and have benefited from it, yet we have chosen to keep the same coaching staff and expect that somehow the answer is inside the fucking locker room. And it's not. I saw someone today tweet, the Devils are even an insult to analytics. That's how bad they've been. Nobody can figure it out. And all I could say is this, you know, I, I, I get so unbelievably frustrated. And, and, and I know that people might think that I'm overreacting to a loss in freaking middle of January when you still have February and March. But guess what? We lost to a nine fucking win Arizona Coyotes team. How the fuck do I just look at that game and say, oh, you know, move on to Carolina? No. When you're already 13 points out of a fucking playoff spot. You're putting yourself in a hole that you will not come out of. And that by the time we hit fucking mid-February to late February, the season is over and we're looking to try to figure out who the fuck we're going to trade at the deadline. I, I just don't get it. When does the bullshit stop? When does the organization decide that they are not going to put up with this shit no more? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Lindy Ruff has to go. I understand it may not change anything this year, but at least it's fucking something. It's something. So that's all I wanted to say about that. I was debating literally making this whole episode, me just ranting for 30 minutes, but I wanted to share some other things because obviously I don't want a lot of these episodes at times to just be me ranting, but I wanted as always to make my point very fucking clear. This team is going nowhere fast and going nowhere slow if they continue to play like this. Losing 4-1 to one 
at home to a nine-win Coyotes team is fucking embarrassing. And I don't know how many more games you have to go out there and embarrass yourself before you make the decision to take to move to go in a different direction. I will reiterate, Tom Fitzgerald said he wanted this team this year to have meaningful games in, in February and March. Right now, we are once again in a position where that's not going to be the case. And that people and, the, and that fans are going to stop giving a shit in a month. And we're going to start talking about who we're going to draft with a top five pick next year and talk about the same thing over and over again. The future is bright and future is bright. When does the future is bright shit stop? And you start saying, oh, you know what? The present is awesome. When is that going to happen? That is my question. It's a rhetorical question, but that is my question. So that's all I got. Fucking embarrassing tonight. The devil should be ashamed of themselves. Lindy Ruff should be ashamed of himself for that. And I really hope that the devils, with two fucking days off, tomorrow, uh, Thursday and Friday, wake the fuck up and realize that they are a better team in the way that they played. And if they don't realize that, then we're just going to get the same shit on Saturday than we got today. Fucking embarrassing.